0: there, I'm Christine Bentley in studio with Kate Wheeler, and you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more from your money, that's wealth esteem. Now, Kate, you just got back from beautiful Vernon, B.C., and I... I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you how your trip was. It was awesome, and, and the hashtag would be, more food. More food. <laughs> no,
1: it was the, the food was phenomenal. The um, All the things that we did, we went to some historical sites. We saw the place where Winston Churchill's secretary was born, her bedroom. Really? All the stuff, beautiful buildings that you would have, homes you'd love to see. We've, we've got uh, segments coming up. They're going to air every weekend in July, all about things you can do, whether it's uh, visiting historical sites, adventures with your family, 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 fun things to do, uh, food, honey, the Okanagan Spirits Distillery. um, it's, It's wonderful. Every weekend in
0: July, you'll have to listen. Amazing. And you will learn why you should explore Vernon. Vernon, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get to who's on. Canadian writer and filmmaker Pasquale Marco Veltri's new film, Drowning, is about to make its world premiere among this year's roster of Canadian independent films at the ICFF Film Festival. Now, it examines the psychological effects of being forced into prostitution at a young age, and he'll be here along with actress Elise Crocker to tell us about the project.
1: And speaking of films, Ann Brody will be here for Saturday Night at the Movies to tell us What to Watch and What to Avoid This Weekend. And, you know, grief, death, funerals are often taboo subjects. You know, people really don't like to talk about them. But today we're going to be joined by Julie Plater. She's with the Roadhouse and Rose Funeral Home in Newmarket. And along with the Lake Simcoe Conservation Foundation, they've established the first tree memorial program in the Lake Simcoe watershed. It focuses on reforestation
0: efforts in the community, a nice blend. Mm-hmm. And we'll also chat community with Netta Sharshar, who she's the manager of York 24-7. Here at 1059 The Region. And since she came on board as a young videographer not too long ago, she's moved York 24 7 from a station promotional site to a reflection of the community.
1: And closing out the show in our live studio sessions, we have two time Juno Award winner Liberty Silver, who's headlining the fourth annual Toronto Funk and Soul Festival tonight at Lee's Palace. So stay tuned and you can follow us on social media
0: at What She Said Talk. And visit our website at whatshesaidtalk.com where you can watch videos, read blogs, and download our free Apple podcast.
2: Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages. And
3: they
4: told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor too.
3: So let's get a... a Meridian
4: five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch.
3: Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage.
4: What she She's powerful, wonderful, honest and
2: now, back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
1: Grief, death, funerals, often taboo subjects, only now coming to light. Joining us now is Julie Plater. She is the public relations coordinator and Genesis bereavement facilitator at Rose Funeral Home. That's in Newmarket. And so, welcome to what she said.
5: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, you're here to
1: help answer some commonly asked questions um, about funerals. Um, but first, there's something new happening that I think is really neat, and it's planting a tree um, along with the Lake Simcoe Conservation Foundation. You have connected for a tree memorial program, which sounds so wonderful. Tell us about that.
5: My husband actually connected with the Lake Simcoe um um, conservatory. So what they do is every service that we provide, uh, we plant a tree, um, and we're, we we work closely with them. Um, so it, we're very environmentally friendly that way. We, we offer Canadian made caskets and and you know environmentally made caskets, uh, free of glues, um, etc. So anything that's environmentally friendly is is th- that's an option for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, should you be buried, um, and BioCern is is a new product. It came out of LA. Um, and it's it's wonderful because, you know, and I always go back to, you know, if grandma loved her roses at home, for instance, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, when you are cremated, which cremation rates are at 80% now, um, give or take in Ontario, um, you can take a portion of her cremated remains and put it in this biocern and, and have a rose bush and she can grow into that rose bush and you can take care of it. And it's kind of like a prolonging uh, her... Her memories and, and her life and your memories with her. So
0: what a wonderful idea! Yeah, that I is think awesome. I want a, I think I want that done. Would you like to be a tree or would you like to be
1: a rose bush? What would you like to be? <laughs> mm,
0: no, I have to <laughs> about <that. laughs> think about it. I like think I like lilac
1: tree. That'd be nice. Something long lasting, right? Something long lasting <laughs> without
0: without. Uh, Without claws. <laughs>
1: right. So, so listen. You mentioned something. You said cremation rates are at eighty percent. When you say that, do you mean that that eighty percent of people are now choosing to be cremated rather than buried?
5: Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very common now to be cremated. Um, with you know, religion is not so much, and tradition um, is is. It's all up to the family and what they want and what they choose. Uh, you know, and so cremation rates in Ontario are pushing to eighty percent. So it's very. Um, um, common for people to choose to be cremated. So when do you think that changed? Because in, in my grandparents' generation,
0: I mean, it wasn't even, right. wasn't really thought about much. The, it, was, it was the odd person, but mm-hmm. somewhere along the way it changed. And I myself have thought about what would I do? and I, I, I never bought a funeral plot at 20 years old, so I think now I don't know where I would go.
5: Right, it, it, I mean, with um, you know the revolution, revolutionary changes in, in um, uh, you know, tradition, um, we don't keep that tradition anymore. There, you know, our grandchildren, it's funerals are more so for. The people who are bereaved, right? Uh, you know, and people come to visit those families, and so with that change and, and with development, um, a lot of a lot of uh, of uh, you know the original plans for funerals have changed, mm-hmm. um, and so cremation went up on the rise. It was more convenient. It's much much quicker. Um, and uh, easier to preserve. And so you would have your um, visitation. So you could still go and have a visitation. You can have your services, et cetera, and and you can have yourself be cremated or your family would choose that for you. Um, that probably changed more at the turn of the 50s. Um, mm-hmm. After the baby boomers, right, and and it's getting more popular. It's, it's well, convenient. Well,
1: I think it must also be partially that we're we're using up the land, right? I mean, maybe not in Canada, but I know in in Japan, um, they have uh, is it columbaria, columbaria, called, where yeah. columbaria, yeah. so which are just basically um, burial. Vaults, but they're for for the urn. It's like a, but it's almost like a big condo building. Right, people are going in. They're building because there is no ground. Other places they're stacking caskets. You know, twenty deep. So what happens when when there is no more land?
5: I actually posted something very interesting online in my own. Facebook page. Um, what what are cemeteries for? Back in the day, you know, in the good old days, we would have cemeteries and we would go visit our loved ones. Or mm-hmm. uh, Even further back, uh, you wouldn't visit, uh, you know, per se. You, you don't know what to do with the body because the soul's not there, whatever traditional rites they had. Um, you know, so they would bury or throw them out to sea. And uh, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of traditional rights um, that, that were held. And, uh, you know, we, it changes over time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. having that change, um, especially with the populace growing in, in major cities... Uh, we don't we don't know but this is why the the uh, we're more environmentally friendly now and we want to see we want to have something we want to hold on to that life we mm-hmm. want to have something uh you know that we can continue with with that tradition um so real estate for cemeteries is very um, far and few between, and especially with all with everyone, uh, the space running out. Uh, back in the day, it would be churches. You'd, mm-hmm. You know, in your own church, wherever your parish was, that is where you'd be buried. In your family, you'd have your own plots. Um, you know, um, there's all sorts of options there. So it, it's it's very. Uh, things will change over time. Um, we don't know where the future where the future lies for that. Uh, well,
1: I, I think we're going to, have to start thinking about it because I think mm-hmm. the statistic is like fifty five, sixty million people die every year. Right. Um, so that's about like just under one percent of the planet's total population. Or. All of England's. So yeah. that's. I mean, you think so, about it. That's like, like there are no places to put people. I, I saw in the at the funeral convention that was was recently in Kelowna. You can actually have ashes pressed into a, a diamond. Right, now in Switzerland. That's in, right. That's a, they do it in Switzerland. Yeah,
5: yeah. So you would uh, ship off. You would have to actually use all of the cremated remains. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, with biocern you could take a part and you could you mm-hmm. know, plant a tree, etc. Um, Because it's so compressed, you would use all of the cremated remains, and it could be pressed into a diamond, and you can use that diamond for jewelry or what have you. It's remarkable.
0: Yeah. So BioCern, if, let's say, I wanted to do that, then I would have to pick where that tree would go?
5: Not per se if it were you. Uh, it, your family would usually yeah. do that. A lot of families would choose the cottage, for instance. You mm-hmm. can place the, the biosaur next to a tree that's already established. Um, there are so many options with biosorin. uh, you know, just to have uh, yourself uprooted into something else that's living. Um, and it doesn't have to be all of the cremated remains. So there's there's so many options. We have the little Pandora. Oh, it's not Pandora, but those little charms that you get with Pandora. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have that um, made into glass. There are people who are tattooing cremated remains into their own bodies. Just anything to keep uh, to preserve that uh, legacy.
0: And you, I mean, your uh, Rose Funeral Home has been serving Newmarket in the area for. One hundred and seventy-five years. So okay. you're obviously
5: at the forefront of all the trends. So, right? No. The- Quite uh, every year, there's there are new new trends, you, and you have to keep up. You have to keep up because people n- nowadays is how I like to explain it to people is the services that you can provide. Uh, um, you know, uh, putting together a funeral is almost like putting together a wedding. You know, you have your reception. It's not just the funeral. Before we'd go and the bereaved would go and uh, pay respects to their loved ones, and now it's more so. You know, there's slideshows, their videos, their are mm-hmm. uh, memories, uh, keepsakes, all sorts of things. So you
1: you you can help people coordinate all of that and also help them connect with grief counseling services.
5: Right, right. So our team's very, very uh, well organized with uh, providing that funeral service. Uh, in 1996, my father-in-law, Glenn Plater, he brought in Genesis, a bereavement program, uh, which was um, created by John Senor, Mr. John Senior, um who's uh, kind of passed off. Uh, you know, to a lot of funeral homes uh, in Canada. And so what this is is aftercare is what we call it. So aftercare is taking care of the family uh, after because the funeral um, is the funeral and the service is the service. And after that is when it really hits you. And that uh, bereavement counselling is when it counts, right? Because you want to take care of that family. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that they're okay and, and, you know, they can transition um, into the next steps and the next journey um, in in their grief journey is what we call it. Well, that's
1: great. So, I mean, y- y- you seem to be full service um, and also providing the latest, whether it's environmentally friendly or just ha- options. All the options are there and you can help people decide. That's right. So yes. they shouldn't be afraid of, t- of coming in no, and absolutely. talking about it. No,
0: no, So if someone who's listening doesn't live in York Region, could they still have you
5: um, – absolutely run there. absolutely it, it, anywhere and we do get a lot of requests and uh, you know have, we've had people from west uh, bc alberta you know it's wonderful you know, they've contacted us and we don't necessarily have to do the service um but there are because we're so uh, well-rounded in, in that knowledge uh, mm-hmm. you know we, we can help and we can assist their with the funeral home they're working with um, receive these services that's great so tell people how they get in touch with you uh, Facebook is very common. Mm -hmm. So Facebook, Facebook, Roadhouse and Rose. Um, If you you can search us at Roadhouse and Rose on Facebook, um, um, and I take care of that. Uh, Our phone number, um, uh, website, emails, anything. Um, You know, if you have any questions at all, uh, full contact. um, Right. Okay. Give us the website then. www.roadhouseandrose.com. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back.
0: tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at AlfredService.com or through the free Alfred Service app. sign up today and get a first time discount by entering the promo code what she Said. looking for a better brunch? We found it
1: for you at Draco Restaurant inside the spectacular brand new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites plus signature cocktails every Sunday from 10 till 2. Take our word for it, you'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on OpenTable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate Your Brunch, Sundays at Draco. What
4: she says, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable.
2: Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
0: Joining us now is Canadian writer and filmmaker Pasquale Marco Veltri, whose new film Drowning is about to make its world premiere among this year's roster of Canadian independent films At the ICFF Film Festival on June 15th at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. Also with us in studio is Elise Crocker, who plays Mary. Welcome to What She Said.
6: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Uh, Drowning examines the psychological effects of being forced into prostitution at a young age. You wrote and directed this. What inspired you to embark on this particular project?
3: Well, years ago, it's it's funny how long things take. This is about six (laughs) years ago now. Uh, We were trying to get a documentary off the ground on on trafficking and uh, the effects of that. And that kind of fell apart and we were left with, you know, uh, just, you know, even looking into it affects you because it's things people don't look into. They don't Mm -hmm. think about. You walk down the street, you see these signs. You're like, well, it doesn't matter." you keep walking. It's like we're in front of our face. And then the just the idea stuck with me of like what would happen to someone who, you know, had a different childhood than we do. We grew up with, you know, love and support of your family. What happens when you take that away? One of the, you know, tenets we grew up with, the pillars of your life, is that you learn to love because you're loved as a child. What happens when that's not there and the people that are supposed to help and support you actually cause you trauma? So we have four or five characters hmm. in the film that respond differently. Um, to that trauma. Some, you know, continue to abuse others. Some pretend it's not happening. And others create delusions of escape.
0: There must have been a lot of research involved with this.
3: Uh, well, at the time, there there was quite a lot of um, talking to different groups that help and support the individuals. And because it was a documentary at the time, we were like, you know, had people lined up and things like that. We didn't get all the way to pre-interviews. But there were, um, I don't know, about almost six months of thinking it was going to be uh, mm-hmm. a documentary kind of project. And then it, over a year and a half, kind of just coming out as uh, sort of what would happen to a character if they were affected by this type of abuse.
1: Okay, so it follows, as I understand it, a woman named Anna, who is a prostitute who learns to take control of her own life um, and live live on her own terms, as, as it were. So, but Elise... You play Mary. Yes, her sister. Her sister. So yes. that's tell us about this and how she fits into the
7: whole...
6: So thing. as Marco was saying earlier, they both grew up in a family home where they didn't have a lot of love and support and they were abused. And I think they're good foils for each other because they show the juxtaposition to how different people can internalize different kinds of trauma and how it can affect them and how they learn to deal with it. So my character is the polar opposite in the way that she approaches this trauma and her her use of it, and how to create a new life for herself. Uh, I don't know how much I'm like <laughs> to give you, away about it. it away, give it all okay. away. Okay. This is the event. So, uh, You don't actually think anything is has happened to my character until about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of a showdown between me and my sister where she's yelling at me and saying, like, can I say this? Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so, <Again>. Saying, like, <laughs> "Why, why didn't they do it to you? Why weren't you abused like I was in our family home? And it's because I'm this happy go lucky, like always positive person who has like a husband and kids and I have the whole package and then I break down and say, You don't think it happened to me, maybe I'm just better at hiding it than you are.
1: Oh. I'm
0: already starting to tear up here.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So oh. So it was filmed in Toronto and around yep. the GTA? Mm-hmm. Uh, during the fall of 2016. So, what was that process like for you?
3: Uh, well, with a micro-budget film, everything takes a little bit longer, but it really is you two years of raising money. Then hmm. you have the. Luckily, we had about 25, 26 days of shooting, and we shot. You name a city, and you know the GTA. We were there. We went up to Clinton, parts of Hamilton. Um, so we basically, when I was writing, I wrote around locations I would have access to. Uh, Because when you're a micro-budget movie, your biggest expense is locations. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we didn't want to make the movie where you're in one house with six actors, uh, which is what you're forced to make at the budget level that we're at. So we just leaned on all the people that we knew for locations, uh, which is, you know, a trick. You can only pull once. (laughs) And um, so we ended up just being all over over the city and all over uh, sort of the – uh, southern Ontario region for those thirty days, and uh, then then once you're done that that part, then you move on to post, which takes longer depending on the amount of money you have. So really, it was about two years of raising the money and writing and pre- prepping it, then you know shooting took thirty days, but then the post was another year and a half, and then even the process of promoting it. So every movie is like a small business that runs for three to six years, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite a long process.
0: Well, obviously this whole project is, is, a, is a work of passion for you. I mean, you've been sort of involved with it for a number of years. Um, what do you hope that people take away from watching this film?
3: Well, without any, any film, you just hope that it resonates. And we're hoping that we created something that is watchable. Um, it's more of a slow burn, psychological thriller. Um, because if you made something that was more realistic that um, didn't have the pretty shots and all the locations and mm-hmm. kind of hiding some of the truths and make it seem a little bit more um, as if you're watching the delusions of the character instead of seeing their real life, it, it would be even harder to watch. Um, so we're hoping that they take away what what could happen to you and you know to not just be thankful of what you have, but to realize that this happens and um, we should be a little bit more aware of it.
1: So Drowning celebrates its world premiere at the ICFF Film Festival on Saturday, June 15th. That's next week. What exactly is the ICFF uh, Film It's the
3: um, Italian-Canadian Film Festival. They've been around for seven or eight years now. And what they do is they collect Italian films from all over the world, and they bring it to uh, to Toronto. And I think what was the math on it? There's 1.5 million Italian Canadians that they bring basically uh, like the Italian Oscar-winning films from Italy, bring them here and other other projects. They also have fashion shows and galas and you know, of course food. So they take, they <laughs> no, take, really, food. Oh, good. more food. They take the tenants of you know like a, you know food, family, and and art and put it all together and, and just bring it uh, to Toronto.
1: So your your films have screened internationally. What does it mean to you to be part of Something here at home.
3: Um, it's it's more important because when you when you travel uh, and you know it doesn't happen often because you do know, it takes so long. Um, it depends on the film festival, and you can get a little lost. I remember years ago when we were lucky enough to have uh, some international screenings in France and other places. Like you're lost in a sea of filmmakers, and there's so many people there, and everybody's selling. And it's especially when it's much younger. So, you know, you learn about mm-hmm. it's like you're in an international auto show and everyone's selling. It. You have no idea what you're supposed to do. But when you're at a local film festival, we have uh, 25 speaking parts, all local actors, and they're all able to come. And uh, you can also have all the people that helped and support you over the years. And I was joking with someone that planning this, uh, getting getting everyone together for the screening and the after party and all the elements of this was more complicated and than my wedding.
1: Than move- oh, your wedding? I would, and the movie, yeah. And but the movie, I'm, yeah. it a little bit more
3: complicated. <laughs> but uh, but it, it just has all of those elements where, you know, you're just bringing the team back together. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm uh, just uh, – got my head stuck on the food and the fashion and all the uh, all other this. stuff there. So you are actually, there are tickets, two tickets available.
1: The tickets are available at, at...
0: www.icff.ca or at the box office. So where can people connect
3: uh, yeah, to they get can, that? They can find um, us online. They can either directly find me at pmveltry.com and there will be a link there. You can go right to the um, web page of the film festival, the icff.ca site. To get and tickets. You, Yeah, and you just go Jan, uh, June 15th, and you click through, and you'll find the tickets uh, It's, it's so no. 2 2 p.m. 2 p.m. 2 PM, 2 PM t- screening, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. And then you can eat. Yeah.
1: We will, don't worry. Eat you can buy some clothes. Mm-hmm. After that screening, where does it go? Where will people who can't make this be able to see it? Um,
3: there's going to be a few other uh, festivals coming up. We can't really talk about them right now. Well, we'll Ooh. Then, I can't okay. tell you. Well, you'd have
1: to kill you. Oh yeah, well, <laughs>
3: maybe. Um, and then we're looking for a digital release in mid-November. We'll do another media push, and then of course it'll just exist online as films do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have, you know, just a, it just stays online for you to find. So we'll be pushing it a few more times over the next few months, and then definitely another big push in mid-November. So
6: who who plays Anna?
3: Anna's played by Laura Trombley, um, and she oh, just does everything. She's lovely. She's, I
6: was, she I thought she was going to be here today. I miss her, but she's working on something else. But uh, she's amazing. She's just too popular. Yeah, yeah. She's always working. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: and and where she's always she's always working. So how did you was it difficult to cast?
3: It's one of the well we we had um, a lot of help casting with. Um, uh, Jules casting and a, and a bunch of other people, just because we wanted to have a diverse cast and and make sure that we found the right person. And it was a long process. You dealt with you know breaking down. A certain, I'm not going to say hundreds, but there was close to a hundred people that went down to like four or five. And and Laura just kept shining through um, because it's it's tough. This is a very hard role, um, mm-hmm. you know, because when you have a lead character who isn't likable necessarily, it's hard for people to connect to them, and no matter what Laura was going through, what she was doing, you still connected to her.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in and telling us uh, about it. Once again, it's ICFF.ca or at the Tiff Bell Light Box, box Office. Too many boxes there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
6: Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. <laughs>
2: What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back.
8: Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect! Meridian's good to grow high interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half calf, half sweet no foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
4: Wonderful, wonderful, honest
2: and now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
1: And joining us now for Saturday night at the movies is film
2: critic Ann
1: Brody.
7: Now, first of all,
1: Rocket Man did not do as well as you thought it would do or should do.
7: It should have done very well. It should have, in my mind, been up in the seventies. Anyway, and what was it? Twenty-six. Twenty-six million. In North America. In North America.
1: Wow. That's not a great opening, is it? It's not,
7: and I don't understand it. It's such a terrific film, and it's Pride Month. Yeah, well, maybe it'll pick up. I hope. I <laughs> okay. Hope. Yes. Now,
1: uh, this weekend, Molly Shannon plays Emily Dickinson in a lifelong affair with her brother's wife. Tell us about Wild Nights <laughs> with Emily, apparently. <laughs> well, the
7: script is completely based on her letters and poems. So I don't know whether they were repressed before, suppressed. But uh, the the woman, um, Suzanne, she actually married Emily to be close to her brother. So that went on forever. And they were very happy, very stable relationship. You know, um, I think people kind of guessed, but it, they kept it very quiet. And we're talking like 150 years ago. So, yes, so it's all based on fact. Um, and there's so many funny moments in it. It's actually a really fun film. These girls just have a riot together. They they run wild, as it says. <laughs> and... Uh, Do pranks and they just have a whale of a good time. They don't care what anybody thinks. And what about the brother? (laughs) He's just kind of there. He's kind of a adult, just off to the side. But one funny thing that she says is her poems are so death obsessed, right? Mm -hmm. But she says it's because she grew up next door to a funeral home.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Seems to be a theme in this week's show. Never mind. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) Now. Uh, So, what, next up, two
7: actors play the same person in Patricia Rosema's mouthpiece? It's based on a play written by these two girls who star in the film. It is incredible. They they play the same woman, Cassandra, who's trying to plan her mother's funeral and, and wrestle with all her emotions around her mother's death. They do the same movements, or one begins an action, the other completes it. It's incredible. I can't believe that something... Like, this has never been done before and how well they do it. So, yeah, so it's about a woman um, who is very rebellious. She it's she had unfinished business with her mother who died very suddenly. And she has to just make up for it all. It's quite heartbreaking. You know, the device that they use does not take away from the, from the pain of it. But I thought it was really brilliant. And I hope people go to see it. What about The Tomorrow Man? Well, John Lithgow, (laughs) you know, he's so mannered Mm -hmm. and he's so physical. And in this he plays a Midwesterner who sort of hobbles around like this and he's very indecisive. He dithers. Um, He lives in the Midwest in a very tiny town and he meets Blythe Danner who is a hoarder, uh, an odd girl. She's constantly buying because she has this anxiety. So she goes to his house eventually and finds that he's built a bomb shelter because he lives in terror of disaster. So you just follow these two along as they kind of dither and it's like what's happening? And then you really get into their relationship and then just the best ending ever. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yes.
1: All right. Now uh, Alec Baldwin framing John DeLorean.
7: Well, I mean John DeLorean that's one thing. He was a famous criminal slash inventor slash creative genius who who invented the uh, stainless steel gullwing car. But the great takeaway about this film is is Baldwin, he seems obsessed with the guy. He plays him. It's a docudrama. So he plays certain excerpts of his life and he gets into the makeup and, and the physicality of it. Um, He knows everything about him, and he'd be holding his head like this trying to figure out something. It's almost more about his obsession with DeLorean than DeLorean himself. Hmm. I mean, if you want to know about DeLorean, go to Wikipedia. But this is all about (laughs) Alec Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: Um, Now, Palm Springs, 1953, mid-century glam. Sinatra in Palm Springs, the place he called home. Another doc
7: another doc it's fantastic it's got all the great music in it and all those stars from back in the day Um, and you learn a lot about Frank Sinatra that was his domain he was the king of Palm Springs he had three different compounds one he built with a helipad for JFK who never came he was very upset by that but um, I did not know that number one he was a huge hobby train fan he had them going all over the place and also, he would go through the papers every single day to find people to help financially. So a great philanthropist. Uh, but there's all kinds of fun moments, like him and Alan Shepard singing Fly Me to the Moon in the local pub for very surprised patrons. <laughs> it's really wonderful. And also the look of it, that, that mid-century. Uh, I just love really like the inco- fashion. Yeah. It, it's fantastic.
1: It's fantastic.
7: Okay. And anything you're keeping your eye on on, um, on TV? Well, Chernobyl. It's getting as good ratings as any show has. And I'm hearing that it's also making an impact in Chernobyl. Well, that would be great. Yeah. That would be super. So, you know, that's brave filmmaking. Good for them.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, there are more movie and TV reviews from uh, the lovely and talented Anne Brody up now. on... checks <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it isn't. Uh, on on she said talk.com. Ann Brody, thank you, as always, very much.
9: She <laughs> said.
2: connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at Talk.com. We're
0: joined in studio now by Netta Sarshar. She's the manager of York 24-7 here at 105.9 The Region. And since she came on board as a young videographer, she's moved York 24-7 from a station promotional site to a reflection of the community. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me, <laughs> why does the world need another video platform?
10: It's not so much about the world needing another video platform as it is about York region needing another video platform. We have this unique opportunity with York 24-7 to attract a local audience versus a global audience, which you get with a platform like YouTube. Um, Somewhere like YouTube, you run into the issue of content being uploaded and audience going in and then not necessarily being able to connect with each other if the goal is to attract more of a local audience. Um, audience in the sense that like if I'm a York region resident and I want to see myself reflected in my experiences in York region it's going to be hard for me to filter the whole mass of YouTube what York 24-7 provides is an opportunity for local residents and a local audience to be able to take in local content and content made by local storytellers so is that the only thing that makes it different? Not at all. It's also a unique opportunity for a partnership with the radio station. Um, you Studies show still that regulated broadcast is still the most trusted broadcast. We have somewhere like the region, which is the voice for York Region mm-hmm. 105.9, caters towards the diversity and the different communities within York Region voice, and provides a platform for their stories to be told. And it also is at the end of the day made up of local staff. York 24-7 is able to work with a partnership with the region to be able to promote the content on York 24-7 Ver- using radio, so people know where they can go to be able to access different stories. So, where do you get the videos from? At the moment, it's currently our great team at York 24/7 and at 105.9 who go out into the community, partner with local organizations. Sometimes we have local organizations creating their own videos and sending it to us. We also have great people like what she said sending their content over to us for mm-hmm. us to be able to um, distribute and to broadcast. Mm-hmm. But what we are hoping to move towards is an opportunity for more user-based content. So essentially, we give people the ability to be able to create content for themselves and to be able to upload it onto York 24-7. Are
1: you talking community content or are you talking advertising content or both?
10: Both. Anything. We're not here to censor at all. As long as it follows broadcast guidelines, at the end of the day, whatever you feel is entertainment, whether that's your guinea pig sleeping or... <laughs> <Have> <laughs> Has somebody they... sent you the guinea pig sleeping? Yeah! <laughs> fun. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Chits and animals. <laughs> of course. Well, they are popular. Okay, right? well, I'll run
0: right out there and
10: film Billy. Yeah, oh, Billy, Billy. yeah. Billy is out, oh, out Billy there. Oh, Billy will be our star, I know. it. <laughs> <that. Yeah. laughs> we'll have a whole section guaranteed for Billy. Yeah. <laughs> so...
0: Kate and I have always known this, but why do you think that local matters so much?
10: I think because at the end of the day, we all digest media and we all look for media that has our own experiences reflected within us. Mm -hmm. What York 24-7 does is puts a geography around it. Um, So we're just essentially taking the amazing region of York Region and we're saying that this area has plenty of stories. It's worth well, investing in
1: that's i mean like to 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 the region's horn the radio station that that's what they're doing because i mean most times when you listen to, to the radio and you're in the gta you're getting toronto traffic toronto weather and we know it's different north of highway 7 and and, and in that area so is that that's what you're trying to do and doing with the york 24 com?
10: that's right yes At the end of the day, uh, the people of York Region have very unique experiences, not all of which have to be centered around York Region specifically, um, but at the end of the day we allow them the audience themselves to decide what they want. So to how
1: do people get their videos to you?
10: So you can go on to york 24 7com and there is a tab there that says become a video contributor. If you provide us your email, give us a quick message of that you want to become a video um, a video contributor, we send you an email with further instructions on how you can go about uploading content. Hmm is, and is there a cost? Yeah. <laughs> There's no cost, free. Really? Free advertising, too? Free. <laughs> I
1: mean,
0: if advertisers, as you were asking earlier. Yeah.
1: If somebody wants to make a video, what do, you, what do you do with that? And it's promoting their, you know, their mompreneur business, say.
10: At the moment in the site's infancy, it has been free to be able to do things like this. Um, right. We will be moving more. If if the advertiser wants to create something that will be circulated to other videos so like say as a pre-roll there's an advertiser beforehand there are sort of different guidelines that we're going right. towards at the psych gains but if you just send me a video that says like this is you know this is who i am this is what i'm doing this is my business then yeah
1: okay that out. kind of okay. Okay. okay so um youtube can make people money can york247.com
10: make people money? It could. <laughs> um, YouTube makes people money in in a way that it allows them to make themselves money because the more views that a video brings, the more advertising revenue it provides. Um, so if a video is making us money, then a percentage of that money goes to the person who is ma- is bringing in those views
1: Okay, so thanks for joining us and and keep up the great work, and one last time tell people what the, the
10: site is York24-7.com
2: What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler we'll be right back I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages. And
3: they
4: told me that variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that you could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor too.
3: So let's get a a Meridian
4: five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch.
3: Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage.
1: Think fancy fold-away screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One Retractable Screens. Three models, smart technology and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One Retractable Screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out and do it all in style. With a unique affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to VistaOneInc.com like I did. Would she
4: She's powerful, wonderful, honest
2: and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
1: Joining us now is Dr. Eugenia Duodu, the Chief Executive Officer of the Visions of Science Network for Learning. Now that's a charitable organization that aims to provide youth from low-income communities meaningful engagement in STEM. And as you've heard many times here before, that is, of course, science, technology, engineering and math. So welcome to What She Said. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Why don't you start out by telling us what problem Visions of Science is aiming to solve?
4: Well, we're really trying to provide barrier-free access uh, to STEM learning and engagement. Um, youth from low-income communities usually experience barriers that are structural or psychological to being able to engage in the STEM field. And, Um, It's known that these barriers can actually prevent them from being able to progress. Um, So we want to be able to kind of provide free and consistent programming um, that works alongside with what they would be learning in school, but to increase awareness um, and to increase access to this type of stuff.
0: What kind of structural barriers are we talking about? Because we have talked to so many Mm -hmm. um, experts who say, you know, girls, Mm -hmm. there are barriers for girls. There are barriers for all kids. So what is it specifically Mm -hmm. about these children Mm -hmm. that concerns you?
4: So one main concern is a lot of people overlook uh, the financial aspect to STEM learning, whether it be making sure that you are engaged in enriched programming, which can also come at a cost. So some of these STEM camps, um, whatever the case might be, financially, obviously, that's a barrier. Also, uh, there's been kind of this historical... I would say lack of programming that's targeted specifically towards STEM in these communities. So there is also kind of an awareness barrier that is consistent with other um, groups of youth, but I believe is augmented for youth from low income communities um, simply because of just the lack of access to these youth, uh, whether it be in the school system um, and whatever the like. So there, there There are financial barriers, um, but even access and awareness also kind of are. So why are
1: they getting this out at school?
4: Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) I mean, that's a bigger, larger issue. Uh, Not all schools are alike. Not all schools have the same resources. And um, not all schools have uh, the same expertise in terms of uh, STEM learning from teachers. So really to level the playing field, uh, we're trying to make sure that the areas in which, not to assume that only low-income areas have this issue, um, but where there are issues in terms of being able to access enrich programming or enrich equipment Mm -hmm. we can kind of be that bridge for the time being so
0: how do you do it
4: so um we have several programs across 24 different low-income communities across Mm -hmm. the greater toronto area and really uh we have a community stem clubs program so it's bringing stem learning to the community so just like you would go to a basketball camp just like you would go to an arts camp you get to go to a stem camp and engage in um workshops every single saturday from october to april and this is geared towards youth uh from grades three to eight and then these youth as they're able to be consistently engaged throughout the years not even just the weeks throughout the years they're able to kind of transition into a youth-based program that we have called the stem community leaders which i believe is really uh, the revolutionary form of what we're trying to do it's essentially taking these youth who have been inspired and engaged in stem and now helping them kind of see themselves as leaders in their communities and also teachers in their communities.
1: Th- this sounds a bit
4: like, like you. Your story. Yeah. <laughs> exactly,
0: because you didn't see yourself.
4: No. As you
1: a- grew up in a low-income neighborhood. I did. And you had a thirst for science. I did. But you didn't think you fit the image yeah. of a scientist. Yeah. You look pretty cool to me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us tell us about your life
4: a little bit. I think um it's so funny cuz everything that I've said has always been it was this secret dark passion that I had that I never wanted to let, let out a
1: passion for science exactly Ooh.
4: Ooh, you naughty girl I know right <laughs> <laughs> um and it have was so ground you for that <laughs> I know um and it was so weird uh now looking back it's obviously funny but it was so serious when i was younger i was so interested in science but the constant narrative was oh it's boring it's too hard Uh, you shouldn't do that and i really took that on and that was also augmented by the fact that i really didn't see myself represented as a black woman in textbooks in any sort of Mm -hmm. uh, pop culture at the time Uh, so i was That's just I didn't resonate with uh, any science figures that I was seeing. Um, And then it really wasn't until I started to be engaged that I started to say, hmm, maybe I could do this, too. And it really started to change my life and my trajectory really rapidly.
1: I'd say because you went on to complete a Ph.D. in chemistry. Yes. And then in 2011, you began volunteering. Yes. With Visions of Science. Yes, I did. What was it that made you want to get involved with the group?
4: So I had worked uh, with Toronto Community Housing for a number of years, Uh, the corporation that I grew up in, I grew up in one of the TCHC communities, and um, so I had done a lot of work there. In my community work, I saw that there are a lot of great programs, but there weren't many that were geared towards STEM, which was what I was studying, which was what I was passionate about. And I started to feel those same feelings every time I would talk to youth and tell them what I was doing, they'd be like, ugh. That's so hard. And I'm like, no, you can do this too. This is possible for you if you want. So really, trying to see organizations that aligned with that. And I think one day, as I was invigilating an exam at U of T, I googled science community Toronto, and I found Visions of Science, and that's kind of where it started. So what was the what was the situation like when you mm-hmm. started there? So the organization um, it was founded by a man named Francis Jeffers, awesome awesome organization to that point and really our initial conversation was uh how can we expand further into these communities mm-hmm. I had an intimate knowledge of what was going on in the community and I also had an intimate knowledge on how to scale mm-hmm. um in the way that I thought could be possible so he really trusted me and he was transitioning out of the leadership position as well so it kind of was this weird perfect timing where I could just come in and see what could happen to be, yeah you
0: know? <laughs> so how's it changed
4: oh man so when i came on there were many changes up to when i came on but when i first started we were in about six six communities six to eight communities um and we just had the community stem clubs program now as i told you we're in 24 and we not only service youth from grades three to eight but uh, right up until grade 12 high school. And now we have in-school enrichment programs, outreach programs, so we've ballooned from one program to four, six communities to 24. It's been a lot of change. So (laughs) there's what,
1: 24 program locations or 25 program locations?
4: 24 communities. and Across the GTA? Yes. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. So
0: what more needs to be done?
4: Oh, where do I start? I think it's very, <laughs> um, what I've found is, what we've found as an organization is the more and more you engage these kids, the more they want to, the more hungry they become and the more passionate they become about this. So obviously resources wise needs to, there needs to be a consistent flow of resources, but there also needs to be this ever present awareness that this isn't a fad, this isn't going away. Uh, We need to really take this seriously. And it's just not about doing something that's nice. You know, this is necessary for our economy, for our livelihood, uh, especially where we're going as a society. We need more people who uh, can think in many different ways, but especially uh, think along the lines of STEM and be able to think critically, explore the world around them and understand the world around them. So I think a lot more advocacy a lot more resources and um, a lot more resources pointed in a critical way. So who is being left out? Who might not have access to this incredible opportunity? So that as we're building, we're building in a way that's equitable.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. So, how can people get
4: involved yes. um, to help the organization? Mm-hmm. There are many ways. Uh, we have, obviously, we have our uh there, there are ways to donate to our charity to make sure that we can continue to have mm-hmm. a livelihood. But also uh, with sharing our ideas, with keeping the advocacy piece of what we're doing, and trying to bring voice to our communities alive, and also volunteering engaging in that way and promoting the work that we do within communities and also supporting the youth uh, In whether it be our youth represent many different schools, many different communities. So making sure they're supported.
1: So, and how do people find out about the programs and connect with them? They just go to your website? Yes.
4: If you go to our website, tell tell everyone what it is. www.vosnl.org. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Well, Dr. Eugenia Duodu, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank and thank you. you for doing what you do.
4: Thank you. What
9: she said,
2: what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back.
8: Still being picked on for being picky?
2: Perfect. Meridian's
8: good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say, be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Think fancy foldaway screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One Retractable Screens. Three models, smart technology, and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One Retractable Screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out, and do it all in style. With a unique affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to VistaOneinc.com like I did.
4: What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest, and lovable.
2: Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
0: If you're looking for a fun night out with a whole lot of soul, the fourth annual Toronto Funk and Soul Festival is on tonight at Lee's Palace and features Canada's leading funk soul and neo-soul artists. And joining us now in studio is festival headliner, of course she's a headliner, Liberty Silver. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, ladies. Now, doors open tonight at 8.30 at Lee's Palace. What can people expect from your set? Wow. Well,
11: uh, as you know, there's three other bands, uh, but for my set, I'm going to do some old stuff, some of my old uh, hits that are you know, number ones and stuff like that. But I'm going to do some Sly and the Family Stone, some Liberty Silver, (laughs) some uh, James Brown. I'm going to hit them from all sides. I like educating people at the same time of them having fun, so they kind of get a compass on who James Brown was and what he did and all different kinds of things. So it's going
1: to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, you have had quite the career. You opened for Bob Marley as a teenager at Madison Square Garden, two Juno Awards. You perform jazz music festivals across the globe. What advice do you have for up-and-coming artists? Wow, that's a big one. Uh, First of all, know yourself,
11: love yourself, be yourself, and then you can share yourself. That's a big one. And know what you really want to do and what makes you happy, the kind of music and genre. Present yourself in a presentable way. Everybody out there now has no clothes on. And profanity is the hit of the day. So I come from old school. I don't believe in that. Respect yourself and others will respect you. They'll listen to you. Also, what is your brand? How are you going to present yourself to the world and let them remember you by what you look like or what you say? Mm -hmm. And once again, when it comes to the music, do something that's conscious, that's going to build, that's going to help people... You're going to invoke the spirit in them or you're going to get them to say, hey, yeah, I feel better. You know, you don't we don't need any more booty shaking music, even though sometimes we like to shake it, mm-hmm. you know, at home while mm-hmm. we're cleaning and all that stuff. I miss really good lyrics. Yeah. Really yeah. good stories and <laughs> music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why they call them classics. Right. Because they go forever. Amen. Right. Yeah. So and it's just really important how you what you say and who how you feel about yourself and what you want to do with your music. How are you going to make it a better place?
0: I know that's cornball. It's it's not but on. I read
11: from the good book and there's always a better day for everybody and as creatives we have to do that we have to do that
0: speaking of creative quickly are you working on anything
11: I am I have a new album coming oh. out and actually a uh, song for you is going to be one of the songs that's Ooh. the only cover when's on the it coming album. out probably in a couple of months okay. we're still working on a lot awesome. of different things but there'll be a single out
0: and where can people connect
11: with you online Uh, Right now, I'm just on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, We're going
1: to launch the website when uh, the uh, music is ready to go. Okay, so again, the fourth annual Toronto Funk and Soul Festival is on tonight at Lee's Palace, 529 Bloor Street West. Doors open at 8.30. Tickets are available at torontofunkandsoulfestival.com or at the door. Liberty Silver, thank you so much for Woo-hoo. joining us. We will uh, be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105 now nine The Region. But closing out the show now, I'm so excited. Here is Liberty Silver performing Song For You.
9: so many places in my life and times. I've sung a lot of songs.
8: I've made some bad rhymes.
9: I've acted out my life in stages with ten Of me is what I hoped it would be. I treated you unkindly, darling. Can't you see? There's no one more important to me, darling. Can't you see through me? And we're alone. Taught me precious secrets of a real love, asking nothing. You came out in front when I was hiding. And now I'm so much better. And if my words don't come together, listen to the melody, cause my love. Over. So remember when we were together.